Rabbit Fair, a lot to talk about. But before we get into White Rabbit Cannabis, I'd uh, like to start with hearing your franchise story. So how do you even fall into franchising? How did your personal career get lined up into franchising? Well, I started working with White Rabbit Cannabis as a marketing guy and uh, became very friendly with the ownership and started looking at the next wave of opportunity. And uh, franchising just seemed to make the most sense because in Washington, uh, you can only own so many licenses before uh, you get in trouble with uh, the state control board for, for businesses. So by franchising, everybody is their own ownership. So it, it, it kind of goes around that that being an issue. And as long as, it, you know, uh, Washington accepted um, franchising for cannabis, uh, which they turns out they do, um, we, we were able to move forward on that. So uh, it turns out the, the first uh, franchisee that we got was actually in New Jersey. And they, they haven't actually opened yet, but they uh, have a conditional license that they were granted, which we helped them through the whole licensing process with the state and, and you know, walk them through, you know, getting all the their ducks lined in a row and, and all that. So that is we, we're just at, at the beginning and, and we have been working on it a couple of years. So it's it I if I thought it was going to be this hard at the beginning, I I don't know you know what I would have thought, but it's it, you know, we feel closer than ever and and now just because of the way the industry is working uh licenses are becoming available uh there are existing sort of turnkey solutions in in washington state which is great because obviously we have the most familiarity there and and uh connections and all that so uh that's kind of where we're at right now is is taking where where we find a distressed license that somebody's wanting to get out of as quickly as possible we're trying to move a, a franchisee in, into turning it into a white rabbit. All right. So go, going backwards, you're you're helping them on marketing or you're you're in a marketing career and you get them as a client. And then all of a sudden they're like, all right, thanks for helping brand us. But now we got to figure out how we're going to grow this. Is that? Yes, that, that's pretty much it. And and in Washington at, at the, the original location, which is in uh, Linwood, that is the most competitive area in Washington. It's, it's, uh, I mean, a lot of uh, states have what's called a green mile where you're, you're kind of the, the zone of, of area where you're allowed to operate a cannabis business. And, and so those areas become very crowded because everybody, uh, that's the only place they can go. So, uh, the market is insane. I mean, there's a store across the street, two doors down, 20 stores within eight mile square radius. Uh, so it, it highly competitive environment and, you know, setting yourself apart in that is, is what it's all about. So that that's where I came into the picture. Uh, but you know, the, the store was already a great store to begin with. I, I just came in and, and started working like the, the online angles and, and other marketing opportunities. All right, being in marketing, you you fall into this thing, and clearly, I mean, all, all of the news around the canvas business has been somewhat favorable because it's a it's a completely unknown world that brands or businesses are trying to enter and figure out how do we how do we navigate this landscape. So, from excitement on day one to I hear, well, as things got going, it got a little bit complex. And I would imagine that's because states regulate differently 
And frankly, there's there's still no blueprint made for how can you actually survive or thrive in, in the cannabis business when it comes to a retail franchise experience. Right. And it's it's very different than I, I would think and from everybody I've talked to and it comes from the franchising world. Franchising uh, retail business for for anything else, very different than cannabis, obviously, not just because of the regulatory aspect, but uh, the way it's taxed and uh, it, you, you, you basically are working with one hand tied behind your back and, and one leg tied uh, as well. So, you know, you don't have all the same advantages of a regular business. Uh, so it's it's definitely more complex to, to succeed in, in the world of cannabis. And a lot of people think that, oh, I'm, I'm going to get a, a, a cannabis store and I'm going to make a gazillion dollars because, you know, everybody loves weed. And it's just not that simple. And, and it really requires like an extra level of business competence to, to succeed in that. And that's why franchising is a great way to go because you gain that experience of, of someone that has worked the model. And, and in a state like Washington, where literally Washington was the first state to, to uh, legalize recreational cannabis, you have with White Rabbit, like eight years of experience in, in that kind of super competitive market and uh i don't know if that's can you guys hear that my my street they're they're cutting trees so they're going by i don't know if that's it's all right you're you're good noise. all right it's like well it's like white noise so i mean it kind of fits on brand so we're good yeah good good so i mean like i i will say when when we're consulting a, a franchise brand we always start off with what is the why you why now and given from where, where I'm standing, you haven't built out the franchise positioning yet. But if I'm if I'm guiding you towards how do you set up the positioning, and, and I'm curious on what the point of differentiation is going to be as more and more brands enter the space, but for why I want to enter franchising with a brand like White Rabbit is, is if I've decided I want to be in the cannabis space, you've offset all this time and energy and knowledge base. And so when I'm buying a franchise from you, you've, you've actually done a lot more legwork than say a traditional burger brand. A burger brand can say, we're gonna show you how to make our burger that's more special than everything else. But the reality is you could go stand up a burger restaurant tomorrow without a ton of hurdles to get over because you can set up your supply chain very easily. Right. For here, the why franchising with you, it's like, look, this is, Yes, there can be, there's the potential to make a lot of money in this category, but you're buying into our franchise because of all the time, energy, money, sweat, blood, sweat, and tears that went into figuring out how do we actually build a business that can open in another state. Right. And one of the, the huge challenges of that is, and which we, we've also run down, is is that uh, there's no uh, cross state line commerce. So vetting uh your supply chain through each state is is a significant part of what's going to make it successful because one of one of the things that differentiates us in our market is not just the customer service but also the the uh the line of products and you know where where you have uh a lot of these stores all are are kind of competing on the same level of carrying the the cheapest big brand name you know vendors 
we, we, we're not after that and we're not trying to, to, to be that, uh, bargain basement sort of, uh, cheap, cheap sort of solution in the, in the market. Um, we we're, we're really trying to, to set ourselves apart and, and have an identity based on, uh, you know, the quality of, of the products, the quality of the service and, and, you know, translating that into other States is, is a big part of what, what we, uh, do and will do. I mean, my gut says we would have to go back to alcohol when alcohol was illegal to now all of a sudden being something that could be sold uh, legally in bars before it was in basements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do you become a distributor or a creator of alcohol products? But is there... That, well, that's, a, that's a great analogy because uh, with alcohol, one of the ways that it, it became uh, it, it, it's sort of the, the stepping stone process to, to legalization again uh, was was the medical market. And, and you know, your uh, places like uh, that, that were able to sell legal alcohol were they were selling medical alcohol basically and uh not and and i don't mean rubbing alcohol i i mean they you know it's something that that you could drink and and you know spirits so uh that that's the world that we came out of is is the medical market and and it's one thing that we've still preserved in uh in the transition to recreational in washington in washington you to to even claim any sort of connection to um, medical marijuana at this point uh, you have to get a uh, an endorsement with the state, which requires you know some money and and some extra training of of the the, the bud tenders and and stuff like that. So uh, that that's a you know very important part of the market is is to still address the the medical users. And in a in a state like Washington, um, that that's an extra hurdle to jump. But it's it's important because that is. Uh, still the the landscape of of the the entire country is whether it's medical or recreational somewhere in between or even just the the places where you can only do cbd stores still um it, it's we we definitely want to be part of that whole uh transition and and still accommodate that that side of the market as well when i was looking at your personal uh background and your story I'm just going to say it totally made sense on why you are captain of this ship. And I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but you were in a category in adult entertainment that had to over a funny, I have a funny backstory. That's for sure. Yeah, But I think like the reality is because I saw you got involved in 93. So you're going through internet and regulation and all the things that you had to overcome there, even, even for it to be, okay to talk about which you know hollywood and television and hbo and everything else that made made it where it is today if you go back to 1993 it is a hush hush thing that nobody can even have a discussion about weed if you go back to you know probably before even hollywood started making it a part of the culture um, it was hush hush. You don't talk about it, and it's looked down. So if I, when I was looking through your story, I was like, okay, it makes sense why you're the captain of this ship because you've had to do it before in your career. And a thing to say like, it's not that big of a deal, guys. And now let's figure out how we monetize and, and grow a business. Is that I, accurate? 
I well, I'm super impressed that you did your homework there, and and I appreciate your your take on it. it it's uh, it's a it's a huge compliment to me, and I appreciate it. Um, that is certainly part of it. Uh, and and back in the in the days with uh, Homegrown, uh, which is funny that it, you know I owned a company called Homegrown. Uh, the uh, that was that was a big part of what we tried to do was uh, put a face on the product that communicated something that hey this is this is okay it's it's not something that is uh, the, the stereotype that that people associate with it that's negative and uh, it, it's certainly part of why I became so attracted to White Rabbit because the the ownership there at, at Teresa and company that's exactly what they're trying to do which is really you know be a good neighbor and and be a, a, a very reasonable and and uh rational kind of you know business person so that you start to associate cannabis not as something that is a, a taboo but is, is something that is very normal and and uh is is probably really good for society as as we we like to think uh you know peace love and great cannabis it, it is you know, maybe a little bit of a hippie ideal, but, uh, you know, I, I also carry my Grateful Dead background into that. Uh, so it's it's all good there. Can you look back at what you had to engineer in the adult entertainment world and say, it's not like you know what the clear pathway is with cannabis as it, as it relates back to what you're going to be do, able to do from a franchise standpoint, but it's almost like, like before you ever take uh, get on an airplane. You have no idea what it feels like to go through turbulence and you're scared and uncomfortable. But when you've gone through that once before, then the next time you're like, okay, that feels familiar. Is it almost like, you know, that the roadmap is familiar for what you have to navigate for turning this into something that is okay, mainstream. And even from a regulation standpoint, adult film industry had to go through the same thing where state by state regulations might be different depending who's who's in politics in that state. Is there a lot of similarities in what this roadmap is? Uh, it, it is very similar. And, and I and I actually go back even to the my my days following Grateful Dead around where, you know, working, selling stuff in the parking lots. There, there's a, a book. Uh, uh, the, it's I think it's called the, the uh, marketing according to uh, the Grateful Dead or something. It's, it's written by uh, the guy that started HubSpot. And uh, it it talks about uh, that sort of grassroots marketing and and you know the challenges of of creating a, a brand in that way. Great, great, great book. Uh, but that's what led me to how how to approach the the adult industry stuff. And then through the adult industry, because yeah, certain zip codes you couldn't uh, ship to or whatever. There were there were all you know sort of state by state issues to address uh, that kind of guided me through to, to where we are now with with cannabis and and uh the the labyrinth of what each state you know says is okay or not okay and and you know whether that's the signage or or you know what you can purchase in the store or the the uh, thc levels in the product i mean the the types of packaging whether you can open it or whether you can have a, a grow system uh and be a vertical integration or all all of those things yes it it, it did uh give me that that sort of background to, to understand those issues and, and it's been very helpful you did say at the opening if you if you knew 
than what you know now. You're like, okay, it's been it's been it's been a roller coaster. Does that like are you still as optimistic? Are you like we just need more time and more more competition even to just create a singular narrative so that this can be as as normalized as as say opening up a burger restaurant. Uh, I I think so. I don't think it will ever be quite that that easy as as a burger restaurant just because it is a uh, a healthcare product on a on a lot of levels. So it's it's different than just uh, you know a, a grocery uh, type. I mean a, a food court or something like that uh, store. So I I think that it will always have certain level of of challenges and and especially because it's regulated in the the way that it is and and always will be and and until that changes vastly there there's certainly going to be issues and and also you know the banking issues are are kind of similar to to what we experienced in in adult um back in the day uh so it i don't see it changing too quickly but i i i know that it's the wheels grind slowly so you know it it, it uh it might be another you know five years it could be another 10 years but i i definitely think um it, it'll get easier and especially when we all think that uh, you know federal legalization will happen at some point. I mean, it's already past the tipping point of what it was with uh, alcohol uh, prohibition. Um, you know, we're we're already past that number of states that have legalized medical or recreational to to go the full distance. But it it just you know somebody's got to push that final lever on the on the control. So so. With with that, I mean, like if, if I'm talking to a traditional franchise, they might say, I want to sell or award, you know, 10 locations in the next year. But it's all based on data of what can be done. Like, how do you establish what winning is for the organization when it's so it's so reliant on on policy? Uh, winning is is getting through the the state licensing process because that that's the the biggest challenge is uh you know going from no license to to operate to getting a license because the the bar is so steep as far as you know having a security system and and having the transparency that the state needs and being connected uh through whatever reporting uh uh requirements are are involved those are the the issues but as soon as somebody has a license then then it becomes uh, a, a much easier downhill uh ride and and as far as once a store can open yes it's very similar to any sort of retail experience and and, and it's a little bit uh like a uh, a market uh because you're dealing with the product uh especially with uh flour where you know one month the the grower produces the best thing ever and the next month they they have a terrible crop and they don't produce as much or it's not as good or whatever so you're you're constantly kind of dealing with with those issues once once the doors are open but uh yeah if if you do it right then then you can mitigate all those kind of problems and and if you have a good system then you know you're you're keeping customers happy and and uh keep providing them with a consistent experience which is i think one of the bigger challenges were there any hurdles in getting your FDD established? Uh, not really. Um, we we worked with a, a franchise um, uh, a company out of Florida that that helped us go through that, and and we've now done a couple of iterations of the FDD. So 
we've we've gotten much more sophisticated at, at that. Uh, I, I would say that that was one of the uh, easier parts of the process. Uh, it we're we're still um, getting our our for the the states that uh, require um, uh, license to, to operate franchises. Uh, we we we've done a few states, but we we can add more of those as well. But we're doing that on a case by case basis of of when it's needed. All right, let's let's close with this. There's a there's a buyer out there. They're they're interested in the category. They've now fallen into your website. They're looking around at the business. What what do you want them to know about this business opportunity that will make them maybe take a step forward to reaching out? I would like them to know that it's not not just overnight success. There there's definitely you got to go in eyes wide open and anybody who's telling you that it's this easy process uh is is selling you you know uh a load of <laughs> you know horse bucky uh the 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 most complicated part of the process is getting through to the license and once that's done uh it it's not that complicated to to open a store uh and to get products on the shelves and to train the the staff and and be within uh you know spitting distance of of making good money um but going through that licensing process, that's where a lot of people are going to fall down because it, it takes time. The state looks at you. They looks at, they look at your, you know, where your money's coming from. And uh, so some states are very uh, difficult about how many stores you can operate. So being a multi-store uh, operator um, is, it can be a challenge in some states, uh, but everybody deals with that differently. And it doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means that you, you have to, you know, think about your business structure and that that's part of that whole process of getting through the state uh, 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 trials and tribulations. Uh, just out of curiosity, so your two first licensees or franchisees, were they customers of the business or did they just find you online? Uh, they found us through um, online and, and through uh, connections, uh, personal huh. connections too. Look, I'm, I, I enjoy this conversation. I mean, I think it's it's so uncharted territory, but that's that's where some great brands have pioneered through. I mean, and it doesn't even have to be something that that is going from illegal to legal. It could be as, as simple as what Curves did when they created basically a, a rotation model to help people get in shape and lose weight. Like there's there's all these business concepts that have pioneered and you're on the forefront of it. Um, clearly, I mean, with your background, uh, I don't know that there's anybody that's more well-equipped to help navigate this and think through it. So, um, I, I appreciate you saying yeah. that. Thank you. I mean, that I, it's, it's one of the, uh, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that is one of the things I was worried about is, is I, I understood that experience as, as being useful to this because of, of exactly that, that weird gray state of, of legal versus illegal and, and putting a, a, a better face on on what the negative stereotype is and and transforming that into something positive and and uh beneficial to society is, is that's a that's the tallest order of of what we can do with with uh cannabis um but that that uh that's definitely where we're headed and that's that's very important to us so i, I really appreciate you, yeah. you seeing the potential well 
And and lastly, it's got to work because Grateful Dead aren't going to tour anymore. So now it's, uh, I mean, it's- They'll always be there. The music's going to go on forever and people are going to smoke weed forever. So uh, yeah, I think we're okay there. That's great. All right, Farrell, great conversation. Uh, glad that we got to meet whiterabbitcannabis.com right now. And eventually, are you going to have a franchise site? Is that coming next? Oh, yeah. No, marijuana, um, marijuanafranchise.com is, is our domain. That's great. Love it. So for Farrell, I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Zor. Take care, everybody. Thank you.